Jesus Christ, glory to Jesus Christ. This is your host Christopher. Welcome to the Ukrainian Fire Chaplain Show. I have gotten a lot of questions of where have you been, what's going on. Uh, I'm still alive. Survived uh, a couple of very nasty respiratory infections. Almost lost uh, my voice there for a better part of a month combined. Um, also have some other great news for you. So, uh, without further ado, I appreciate your patience, all you uh, faithful long-sporting fans. Uh, have uh, some interesting clergy, uh, one from uh, out on the West Coast that's been following us with, with eager interest, and some questions have been, well, what's going on, what's with the podcast, what's with the show, why have you been gone? So, uh, without further ado, let's uh, go ahead and share some news with you. Ready, set, Slavi Susu Krisu, glory to Jesus Christ. You're probably a little shocked right now, but um, like I said, I had some big news for you and just wanted to uh, to say thank you to all of my uh, faithful supporters and followers. Um, it is no longer Christopher. It is now uh, Father Deacon Christopher. Uh, this past uh, few months, uh, part of the reason I have been gone, uh, besides a, a few illnesses uh, where I had lost my voice for a better part of a month, um, and some other things going on, both with uh, with work and with uh, some of the charitable work that I do, I ended up just uh, needing to take a break from uh, from podcasting. I kind of got everything right off the rip, got sick, a lot of things popped up, uh, and then got a, a phone call from my bishop right before he was going back to Ukraine saying, um, well, it's either going to be on the Feast of uh, the Annunciation or not till later this year. And I had uh, I had not been expecting to be ordained until much later this year, and given the opportunity of uh, being ordained on the major feast of the Annunciation, uh, given Our Lady's huge influence in my life, not only that, um, but most of my uh, retreats and, and spiritual time in the past fifteen years that I've spent as a Christian uh, have been at the Monastery of the Annunciation. Uh, friends who married my wife and I are clergy at another monastery of the Annunciation, was uh, originally brought into the church on the week of the Annunciation, now over 15 years ago. Uh, you know, given that opportunity, I was basically given six weeks of a heads up and uh, got to do all of the fun of, uh, and really more work planning for ordination and reception and everything than I did planning uh, our wedding uh, many years ago. So it's been a eventful eventful few months and i appreciate your patience um like i said a lot of stuff came came down with some uh, some health cares back in the end of january and february uh some other things came up and got the phone call and said oh by the way uh, i'll be down in your neck of the woods in the end of march and uh are you ready to put your hand to the plow so to speak and um <clears throat> spent that six weeks and a lot of prayerful discernment and uh since then, obviously, you know, the great feast of, uh, of the Annunciation was followed in our tradition uh, by uh, Lazarus Saturday and Palm Sunday and the great feast of Pascha. Uh, and since then, uh, the past four weeks have been doing a lot of work. So thank you so much. This has been about a few minutes of introduction. But now the question you guys are all curious about, what is going on with the Ukrainian Catechism podcast in a year? And what I wanted to give you a heads up on is, uh, after talking with uh, one of the bishops that has been supporting me and uh, helping me get the copyright permission to go forward with this, we are um, 
we're looking at a date later in the year. There's two dates that we're considering. Originally, I had hoped to have um, the Ukrainian Catholic Catechism in a year start on uh, what we call John the Theologian, uh, what, what the Western Christians know as John the Evangelist. Uh, we celebrate his feast day in a few days on May 8th, and that was the original air date that we had planned for this. Uh, but given that basically in the past uh, three and a half to four months, I have not been able to do any of the prep work. Um, most of the prep work is done, but I've not been able to do any of the uh, electronic prep work, getting all of the stuff ready for the formatting. Uh, we've got a lot of the equipment, but to give you guys a heads up, to produce just the podcast alone, a 15-minute episode, uh, to produce it if I was doing in the podcast-only format, where it's just listening, that would take me about uh, 30 minutes or so, about twice the time to do just the podcast. Um, but there's so many of you that have reached out to me, uh, a priest out from the West Coast, out in Oregon. Uh, so far, we have, I think, well over 100 different countries of people that have been listening to some of the pilot episodes and due to the interest and support and, and perspective from uh, one of the bishops that's been helping me, we really want to try to use the YouTube platform. I understand a lot of people will be doing just the podcasting platform on Spotify or uh, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, but the YouTube platform is huge uh, as far as our reach as well with people that have been interested. And the challenge with doing uh, videos with a real high quality audio setup is that instead of it, you know, being a 15 minute uh, audio podcast, it takes about 30 minutes to edit, tweak, upload and all that. Uh, it takes about four to six times as much time to produce the recording, to go through there, add the uh, properly format, add the text to follow along, to actually have high-quality video of me. Apparently, some people want to see my face. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Um, you know, some people just like something to look at. It's very difficult, and, you know, some of us are more visually oriented, so... The idea that somebody could listen to a, a long catechism podcast and not have a text or something to keep them visually entertained on YouTube, uh, a lot of people just can't do that. So uh, to produce a decent quality video, to format everything, and then to render it in a 1080p HD typically takes in the neighborhood of uh, one to two hours per episode to produce that. We're looking at 233 episodes. So we're looking at about a five to 600 hour project. That is a lot of editing time. And you're saying, well, isn't this your clergy now? I said, look, I, I do not take a paycheck from the church. Um, I still have my own profession. I also do uh, some volunteer work for a couple of public safety agencies uh, and have my hand in a number of things uh, just in just in my work and academic commitments right now, uh, starting um, closer towards uh, next month in June, my work and academic commitments will be about 88 hours a week. Uh, that's how much time uh, my work and academic commitments will be, 88 hours a week. Basically the equivalent of two full-time jobs. That does not include uh, the volunteer charitable work that I do for a fire department or a uh, police department. That does not include some of the teaching that I do um, on the side, that does not include any of my ministerial responsibilities, including regular catechesis, education, plus liturgical celebrations, um, now as ordained uh, Ukrainian clergy. That's a lot, and none of that includes family time, right? So all of that's on top of that, and some of you are probably saying, 
when do you sleep? Uh, <laughs> sleep is for the faint of heart, you know. We have been given a tremendous task uh, by our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ to go out uh, and do great things for him. Um, and while I do try to get my sleep as much as I can, uh, what is important is that we use this gift of life that he has given us and go out and um, not waste uh, time while it is day and not waste time laboring when we can uh, do things for him uh, and for his name and for his glory. So a couple of questions are going to be, well, wait, what do you mean? Father Deacon Christopher. So a lot of people who are not uh, Greek Catholics or Greek Orthodox get really confused. Some of them get scandalized. They don't really know how to do this. And I usually, uh, the charitable response to that is going to be, um, well, why do, you, why do you Roman Catholics call your priest father? And the answer is like, blah, 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 uh, uh, um, because that's what we always have done. I haven't really gotten a good answer from that. So usually I try to ask that question. It's like, well, because he's the priest and he's in our, there's not really a great answer other than custom and tradition, spiritual father, spirit direction. So if you look at the whole conception of like spiritual fatherhood back in, you know, second, third, fourth centuries, uh, a lot of the early spiritual fathers were actually monastics. A lot of them were laymen. So this whole conception in, in, uh, Greek Christianity, Greek Catholic and Greek Orthodox, uh, views, um, the word father is being applicable uh, to all major forms of clergy, uh, the three major being uh, bishop, uh, deacon, and uh, priest. The, uh, you know, so why did you say not, why did you say bishop, deacon, and priest? Well, in some of the disputes, um, some of the cases are made that uh, the order of the diaconate is actually much older than the order of the priesthood. Um, we find explicit mention um, in, in some of that, some of the works of the New Testament of the diaconate being instituted far more uh, early than the presbyterate. The, the, the where the presbyterate came from is this may be something an interesting episode to get into. Um, but in, in certain theological opinions, the diaconate is older than the presbyterate. Um, and in a Greek tradition, um, the diaconate is viewed as part of the priesthood. Now, some people are going to say, well, wait, 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 what do you mean? I say, okay, we'll stop. Hang on just a second. The easy way of explaining this is, um, all baptized Christians are members of the priesthood. What? Yes, all baptized Christians are members of the universal priesthood. Uh, that is the priesthood of the firstborn uh, of Jesus Christ, according to the Order, Del order of Melchizedek, right? Uh, the Order of Melchizedek and the Jewish Christian tradition uh, is the order of the firstborn son because Melchizedek, who almost all ancient Christians, even medieval Christians, up until modern times, really, the modern biblical scholars kind of went off the rails here, but almost all ancient uh, Jewish um, believers, ancient Christians, uh, uh, right up through the medieval period up to our almost present day, understood that Melchizedek was Shem, who was Noah's oldest son and the only righteous firstborn son pretty much in the entire Old Testament. Uh, the only one that can be said to be, at least scripturally, close to anything without sin. Uh, so this perspective of um, St. Paul and his epistle to the Hebrews, and we'll sidestep the debate in, in our tradition, it's just St. Paul according to the Hebrews. We can get into the academic debates later. Um, Christ is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, according to the order of the firstborn son. So all of us who are baptized into Christ, who are baptized into his death, have put upon Christ and therefore have put upon the priesthood of all believers. 
Now, that doesn't mean every layman out there can, you know, offer the sacrifice of the liturgy or of the Eucharist. That's not what I'm saying. So please don't put words in my mouth. But all Christians are baptized into the lowest level of the priesthood, which is the priesthood of the laity or priesthood of all believers. Uh, and so with that is the foundation perspective of understanding the essence of Christian priesthood. We can understand why in the Greek perspective, uh, the diaconate is seen as a further elevation into the priesthood. And when we look at that, um, the the way that this is commonly explained is it's the priesthood of service. It's the, the first order of, of Christ's mission service. Uh, the next priesthood is the priesthood of sacrifice, which, um, if you look at the words of the New Testament, is commonly described as the presbyterate. So you have the diaconate, the presbyterate, and the episcopate. Uh, commonly now translated into our American English language as deacon, priest, and bishop, but really there are three orders, so to speak, of, of the ordained priesthood. The priesthood of service, the priesthood of sacrifice, and the priesthood of uh, the fullness, or sometimes translated oversight. But we'll get into this if you, if you actually look at my couple of episodes I've done on Ignatius of Antioch, you'll get this. And so if you look at traditional Greek clergy, you'll notice three things, right? We all wear the same outer casual wear vestments. Um, there's little differences with the scuthia, with the headwear. There are little differences between Russian style, different Greek style. Some of them have pockets, some of them don't. We'll sidestep a lot of these debates for a later episode or something like that. But typically there's a very easy way to distinguish Greek clergy from amongst the, the, from amongst the three ranks. And that is, uh, deacons wear nothing. If you look, we just wear the cassock. And this is not a collar. This is just a white, collarless mandarin undershirt. We don't traditionally, in our more ancient custom, don't wear collars. Uh, that's kind of a Western thing. And um, the tongue slapper is a very Protestant thing. We, Some of us will do that, and I don't condemn those who do. It's just a, a comfort. Some of it's an identity issue of being more easily recognized. Um, but so, deacons typically wear nothing which looks like what most um, Roman deacons and priests wear. Greek, uh, Greek Catholic, Greek Orthodox priests will wear a pectoral cross. That is a cross of the chest. Um, the black that the deacons wear is the priesthood of service. So we're ordained to death to self and to service in Christ's name. And, uh, and in Christ's church, the priests will always wear, regardless of whether they're wearing a cassock, whether they're wearing a tongue slapper or whatever type of attire they're wearing, uh, the Greek uh, priest will, or presbyterate, will typically wear a pectoral cross uh, because they are ordained to the priesthood of sacrifice to offer the Eucharist. On the bishops, you'll notice, uh, and I'll put this picture up here uh, for my ordination, the bishops, you'll notice, do not wear the cross. They wear a um, common phrase would be medallion. Uh, they wear a, uh, a medallion of the virgin with child. And some people are going to go, hmm, why? So who was Our Lady? If we were looking at Old Testament typology, who was the Virgin Mary most clearly symbolized by? There's a lot of very good symbols. Where am I going? The Ark of the Covenant, right? You have this gold-plated wooden box with three things inside of it, and I'm trying to dig you back into Paul's letter to the Hebrews. What were the three things? You had the budding rod of Aaron, you had the bread of the presence, showbread and you had the testimonies that is the two tablets the ten commandments the word of god and so the ark of the covenant in the old testament 
was this pure wood with this pure gold uh, plating uh, surrounded by uh, angels and bearing about the word of God, the true priesthood, and the bread of life inside. Well, who was Mary? She was carrying that inside called baby Jesus. So a lot of people are saying, well, what does this have to do with the bishop? Well, like I talked about in the Church Father series where we went through Ignatius' epistles, and we'll get into this when I get back into producing some regular episodes on some of the later Church Fathers, especially Irenaeus, uh, Justin Martyr, and a few others. When you look at uh, who Mary is, uh, she is the Ark of the Covenant. She is that fullness of the presence of God. So if you look, right, in the old times, in the temple... The presence and the glory of God really was there only when the Ark of the Covenant was there. Well, it is said that when the Ark, uh, when the Ark of Covenant was captured and um, and was removed from the temple, that the glory of uh, the glory of the temple began to fade. So, in the Old Testament, wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, there was God's full presence in His temple or in His Old Testament church. And so, in the New Testament times, where is God's full presence? Not His like divine nature we're not worshiping bishops of gods or anything like that but who has the fullness of the authority the fullness of the presence of christ in the church the bishop a lot of people have a hard time understanding this and that's because when you look at modern catholic practices east and west the priest is really the center of the show but this is not it bishops uh are the fullness priests and deacons were just his assistants a lot of people see the priest as like the center of the show and the bishop, if he ever comes around once in a while, is kind of like this figurehead. Um, and then deacons were just like glorified altar service. That's that. No, no, no. The bishop is the fullness of Christ. The deacon is the personification of Christ, because if you look at the Greek liturgy, the deacon is the one that constantly goes out from the holy place back to the to the congregation, from the holy place to the congregation, back and forth from the sanctuary out into the pews, out into the narthex, and you know, out into the waiting area to, to incense all of the icons. And who was that? That was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who descended from on high, came down from heaven, out of the holy place, walked and worked and lived amongst us, encouraged us to offer prayers before the Father. So when you look at that, those are really like the two icons. The priests are just really kind of like placeholders. Um, they're they're really like placeholders for the bishop. They're like, and that is why, um, if you look particularly at the history of our Ukrainian church and and really any um, Catholic church in the history, when um, when they want to kill the church, they get rid of the bishops. You get rid of the bishops, you don't have any more church. You get rid of the bishops, you have no more way to ordain priests. You have no more way to ordain deacons. You've cut the head. You've striked the head of the flock. You've scattered the flock there does not matter uh when so when you look at that the priests and deacons were just basically his assistants and so that fullness and the bishop wearing the same stuff that we wear as the medallion of the virgin because of that connection of the ark of the covenant at least that's my take on it the connection of the ark of the covenant and the connection of the fullness of god's presence uh in his church uh and without that um there there, there is no church and, and ignatius very clearly says that wherever the bishop is you know there's jesus christ there's the catholic church um uh, paraphrasing, right? And, you know, and you'll probably start nitpicking me in the comments. Don't worry about it. I'll go and explain all those details and drag that out. But I'm just trying to give you a, a big take and a big perspective. 
I don't have my full P, uh, my full HD setup, which is why the audio and the video is a little bit less quality than I'd like. But it, it's been a good few months um, since the the illness and the invitation to move my ordination up. Surprise! Yeah, nobody knew that. It's all right. Um, some things we just we keep quiet and pray about and and see what God wills. Um, so thank you guys so much for your support. Like I said, we're looking, uh, we're looking at a air date, um, at the latest new year's at the latest we'll be starting January of 2024. We're looking at trying to get a date sooner than that. Uh, part of that is just looking at basically the sheer amount of time involved and in mostly the video editing and processing. Uh, the time doing the recording, you know, is manageable, but doing a lot of the, the proper HD video editing and rendering so that you have a perfect audio listening experience, you'd be surprised how many people don't want to listen to less than perfect audio. Uh, even what's being recorded on right now it is drastically lower quality um, than even with my HD camera, let, a, let alone with trying to do a proper podcast uh, studio mic setup. So I appreciate your patience. Uh, this this is going to be a long haul, and like talking with my bishop, this is going to be one of the things where quality is most important. I want to give you guys something that you'll go back to, something that you'll enjoy, something that you can listen to, watch to, and be able to read along and share with other people in a way that doesn't really cost you any money. So um, please pray for me. We'll pray for you as well. Uh, remember you every time we... Um, we celebrate the divine liturgy and the divine uh, the divine office, what we call the divine praises or the liturgy of the hours. Um, and uh, until next time, uh, God bless you, keep you, and uh, let us uh, let us conclude with a prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you so much for joining us, and I will be back with uh, some podcasts and some stuff like that going on um, over the coming months. We'll definitely do some prep stuff. Um, and as soon as I have a hard air date, since we've already had to bump it due to my ordination being moved up, so we've already had to bump the Catechism in a Year podcast once, I'm not going to bump it twice. When we have the set air date, uh, either in the fall um, or in January, uh, 1st of 2024, I will announce that we will have some teaser episodes. I'll be having, uh, Dr. Matthew Minard on as well to do some interesting, uh, takes and perspectives on moral theology and the influence of, uh, Byzantine, uh, perspective, uh, and some of the differences between Eastern and uh, Western Catholic approaches to moral theology. We'll be having that, which will help you really get into the Catechism in a Year series and understand why it's very different from the Universal Catechism. All the rest of that, we've got some other great interviews that are going to be related to the Catechism series, um, as well as some of the regular podcasting and Church Fathers. So, please, thank you so much for your patience. I apologize my absence. Had to uh, go quietly and to, um, to pray and prepare for uh, such a great task um, that I've been asked to undertake. Um, and uh, we will see you very soon. God bless you. This is your host, Christopher. If you like today's episode, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. Also, click the bell for notifications on future content. If you haven't already, check out our website, theufcshow.com, ways that you can support us and find us on other platforms. Until next time.